Welcome to Canaanbaum Podcast, episode number 44. I'm Tom Barthel, serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran Church, a Wells congregation in Baxter, Minnesota. Genesis 19, 6-9 Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. What am I doing wrong? Lot probably thought to himself. Why am I not blending in? Was Lot serious? He thought he could reason with this mob at his door? He wasn't one of them. One could say that Lot did something noble here. He bravely steps to the outside and confronts the mob and even closes the door behind himself. He then stands up to a threatening mob and says what they want to do is wicked. He defends his visitors. He says, they've come under the protection of my roof. Lot doesn't just give in to the whim of the crowd. But he does give in to something. A foolish and false hope that they would respect him. Nonetheless, respect his guests. Notice that Lot addresses them as comrades, fellow sodomites. He actually calls them brothers. Was he one of them? They didn't seem to think so. This foreigner comes and now thinks he can play the role of judge over us. Why was Lot's life in this mess? This man was Abraham's nephew. He was righteous through faith like Abraham. That's why the angels were here. They were guarding with special care in response to Abraham's prayer, guarding one of the Lord's righteous through faith. The Lord sent them because Lot was one who had come under God's protection. So why was Lot's family life such a mess? Bad company corrupts good character. Day after day, these were the people his daughters interacted with. These were the people his wife was surrounded with in the marketplace. This was the city from where his daughters find their future husbands, who they were now engaged to be married to. Look at the crowd. This fellow wants to play the judge, they say. So it is today. The world which is under sin and the sway of the devil despises any attack to decry its deeds as wicked. When someone says, no, that's wrong, wrong and wicked and against the will of God, the same retort echoes back today. This one wants to play the role of judge over us. How dare you come judge me? And by their own admission, the men of Sodom are wicked. We'll treat you worse than them. The word here in the Hebrew literally says, we'll treat you, do more wicked to you, evil to you than them. Just as they are in a fit of rage, intending to rape the men who visited Lot, they now intend to force their way into Lot's house, and nothing would stop them. They would not stand down. God is our judge, and he doesn't play the role. For every unrighteous act, we stand exposed. But that's not why Lot's life was in such a mess. His life was in such a mess because he was still regarded as an outsider by the men of Sodom. Though he lived among them, and it affected his family's spiritual life terribly, he was still an outsider. He was still an outsider because 
he was still not an outsider with the Lord, whom he trusted for forgiveness and life. This is what really made Lot an outsider to the crowd at his door. He looked to the Lord, the only true God, his God and Savior. Don't be surprised when you are made to feel and treated as such by the world around you. The unbelieving world will lash out against God's people. Even the people of God who think they can blend in with this world will find out they're an outsider. Unless you look the other way to sin and toss aside God's word, you will be an outsider. This man thinks he can play the judge. You'll be branded as self-righteous, deluded, a Jesus lover. But you are a sinner who lives in a sinful world, who is no longer part of that world. You have been brought through faith into the kingdom and care of our God. The judge desires that you live. We'll see an example of God's care for Lot and his family when we continue. Remember, it's not bad to be an outsider, to be in him, and to look forward to his promised land of rest. He saw the light is by Chris Dreisberg. Now here's a little song about a guy named Saul. He was chasing down the Christians. He wanted to kill them all. While he was riding to Damascus, high on his horse, the Lord threw a lightning bolt that knocked him off course. I guess our hero started having a bad day right then and there. So here's poor old Saul just shaking on the ground when he hears a mighty voice up high and all around. Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul said, who's that? Hey, I can't see you know, God was going to give him a better kind of sight. He saw the light. He saw the light. It was the light of the world, though it gave him a fright. He's gonna tell everybody all about Jesus Christ shining so bright. He saw the light. Well, Saul got up, but it wasn't how he planned. He went to Damascus being led by the hand. He spent three days in fasting and prayer till God called Ananias to visit him there. Told him to lay on hands and restore his sight. But Ananias said, Lord, as soon as that guy can see, I'll have bars on my windows and chains around my feet. God said, nope, now Saul's a pussycat. He's working for me. What you think about that? And he won't be arresting my people anymore. Because he saw the light, he saw the light, the light of the world sure did give him a fright. He's gonna tell everybody all about Jesus Christ shining so bright, he saw the light. And that was just a start for our brother Saul. His lifestyle changed and he changed his name to Paul. He was filled with the Spirit and he didn't think twice. He started in preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Folks didn't always listen though. Sometimes they ran him out of town. Well, the rest is history. He wrote some books of the Bible and was a missionary. And though he said the chief sinner's name was Paul, God made him the greatest apostle of them all. Pretty humble guy though, all things considered. He saw the light, he saw the light, the light of the world sure did give him a fright. So he told the world all about Jesus Christ. 
Moment with the Master, shared by Pastor Aaron Nitz. Greetings. The Word of God that I'd like to focus on today is from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And they read this way. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Have you ever run in a marathon? What do you think it takes? Certainly it's going to take a lot of hard work, a lot of sweat, a lot of pain. But perhaps most of all that it requires focus, determination, concentration. In a way, living our life of faith is kind of like running a marathon. God never promised that after he brought us to faith, our lives would be a nice big slippery slide ride into heaven. There's temptations here, troubles there, there's attacks on what we believe, there's worldly pleasures luring us away from heavenly treasures. So we press on to live the way God wants us to. We strive to learn God's will from his word. We strain to put ourselves last and serve others. But why? In order to earn something from God? Not at all. We strive and strain because we have a Savior who already strove and strained for us. Jesus pressed on to the end, going to a cross, suffering hell. And why? In order to achieve the goal, heaven, for you and for me. So we press on looking forward to the goal God has won for us in Christ. I'm pressing on toward that goal, and so are you. Lord's blessings on the rest of your day. Bye. God's Word for You is shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 13, verses 20 to 28. As Job ends the chapter, he turns away from his friends, and now he speaks directly to God. I want to pause before verse 25, so we'll read the verses leading up to that. Only grant me these two things, O God, and then I will not hide from you. Withdraw your hand far from me. Stop frightening me with your terrors. Then summon me, and I will answer. Or let me speak, and you reply, How many wrongs and sins have I committed? Show me my offense and my sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Job wants to speak with God, but he has some requests first. He wants God to withdraw his hand, and and that's not the usual word for hand, which is yad. That's the Hebrew word for what we would consider the hand, the palm, thumb, and fingers. But he says, God, uh, withdraw your cuff, which is the palm or the hollow of the hand, that can shelter or, or protect, as in Exodus 33. But here it's a symbol of power and punishment. He asks God to stop frightening him. His question is grammatically polite. He also asked God to show him his sin, which is an incredible request. How many of us would ever ask God to show us our sins? The mere speaking of God's law exposes our sin and our guilt, but Job is asking God to do something very specific. He wants God to tell his friends what Job already knows, that there is no hidden sin in uh, Job's life that's responsible for all the present sufferings that he has. Now let's look at verse 25. 
Will you torment a wind-blown leaf? Will you chase after dry chaff? If you don't know what chaff is, it's the stuff that is left over when somebody is threshing. They, they, they have a big pile of grain, and either a servant or, or, or the farmer himself or an ox has walked over it and broken up the hulls. Then he takes something like a pitchfork, it's a threshing fork, and it just has more tines than the average pitchfork. And he throws it up into the air on a hillside, and the wind catches it and blows the, the, the crud away, the hulls and the little pieces of this and that and the flim-flam. That's the chaff. And then the dry, uh, the heavier uh, uh, grain falls into a pile at his feet. And Job says, are you chasing after dry chaff, tormenting a wind-blown leaf? Did an actual leaf, stirred up by some faint breath of wind, actually flitter between the kibitzing friends? Job used this tiny event to draw attention to his own smallness in the universe, like a dry leaf, easily burned up, easily crushed, easily forgotten. But with profound irony, our author uses the very same event to draw our attention to something else. The storm from which God will speak is far off in the distance, but it's coming. The leaves have begun to pick up and blow. There is something on its way. God will answer Job, and he is on the way. Verse 26. For you write down bitter things against me and make me inherit the sins of my youth. Now, other passages in the Bible also say that God writes things down. Usually these are references to the book of life, the record of believers chosen by God for eternal life in heaven. We see that in what Psalm 69. There's a reference toward the beginning of Philippians 2, toward the end of Revelation 21, other places now, we saw this a little while ago in Psalm 69 in another devotion, but let's add what we see here in Job. First, God knows our sins and has in his mind an account of our guilt, the bitter things, including the sins of our youth in Job 13.26, as well as the account of all those who trust in his forgiveness. And the latter is often called the book of life. Anyone whose name is in God's book of life will enter into heaven and be known to God and his angels. That's Revelation 3. Revelation 13 says anyone who is worldly, they're, they're called worshipers of the beast, they are not written in the book of life. Revelation 17 says that such people will be astonished to find that they have been actually worshiping the beast and not Christ. And then Revelation 20 tells us, in the very absolute end, Swarms of the devil's followers, the army of Gog and Magog, will march, either literally or figuratively, to attack the Lord's few remaining people. And it, it, it'll get really bad, but the battle will actually never quite take place because the devil will be suddenly cast into his prison in hell by God and the book of life will be opened and the judgment will take place. Then later in that same chapter of Revelation 20, Anyone whose name is not in God's book of life will be thrown with the devil into hell. And then in the next chapter of Revelation, heaven's holiness and perfection is protected because no one can enter in without their names written in the book of life by the grace of God. So uh, let's go on to verse 27 here. 
You fasten my feet in shackles. You keep close watch on all my paths by putting marks on the soles of my feet. This verse is not the end of our chapter, but it seems to conclude Job's speech in chapter 13 here. Job knows that if he really were to try his case before God, he would end up exactly as he is, or worse. He is imprisoned in his pain, in his misery, in his loss. It is from this prison of sin that we need release in our lifetime. Faith in Christ is the key given to us by God, sometimes coming gently like the consolation God gave to Hagar in the desert and sometimes whacking us in the side like the angel releasing Peter from prison but giving him a good kick in the ribs to wake him up. However God has given faith to you, through baptism or through the preaching of the gospel, it has rescued us and written our names in God's book of life. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. We'll close with a song shared by Josh Bushkoff. Josh is a member at a Wells congregation in New London, Wisconsin. Maybe all we need is some contemporary music. We could start a worship band and then we'll sway and throw our hands up. Maybe rhythm's all we need to put some passion in the people in the pews. If that doesn't work, well then I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll send a survey to the neighborhood or start a focus group and we can hire a consultant who can tell us all the methods we should use. Or maybe all we need is to go and plant the seed, water it, and leave it to the Lord. His word's alive and active, it cuts through demographics, cause it's sharper than a double, sharper than a double-edged sword. It's gonna help to have that snack bar in the lobby Cause the sermon's always better when you're drinking better coffee They will know that we are Christians if we only buy the beans marked fair trade I got a great idea for a Sunday morning study We could base it on a novel or a big blockbuster movie We could even slip a scripture in but first we gotta keep them entertained Or maybe all we need is to speak it faithfully the law and gospel of the Lord it needs no fancy package it's living and it's active and it's sharper than a double sharper than a double-edged sword people never change we all hunger for something But only one true thing can satisfy it So if no one's in the pews We got nothing left to lose I got one last idea And I think we should try it Maybe we're forgetting if you want to build a church Then the one thing really needful isn't marketing research Cause the power of the gospel doesn't rest upon a flashy ad campaign I think we ought to try that mission statement from the Bible Yeah, the one where Jesus told us we should go and make disciples Take his word to every nation Baptize them and teach them why he came Spread throughout the earth 
his word will do its work. It will not come back empty to the Lord. Where seed is sown and scattered, it brings a harvest gathered. Cause it's sharper than a double, sharper than a double-edged sword. You have been listening to Kenanbaum Podcast, episode number 44. This podcast was first shared in October of 2013. Once again, we thank both Josh Bushkoff for sharing his song and Chris Dreisbach. Find more of Chris's music at chrisdreisbach.com. We encourage you to find a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net to find more information. For more information on this podcast and the how to support the artist, visit com. Thanks for joining us.